Hello, and welcome to the Data-Driven Marketing Leader podcast, brought to you by Notch. I'm your host, Andrew Bolton, Chief Customer Officer at Notch, and along with Anda Ganska, CEO of Notch, we'll be diving deep into the world of data-driven marketing and exploring how marketers can contribute to business growth at every stage of the customer journey. In each episode, we'll be joined by industry experts, thought leaders, and marketing innovators to discuss insights, strategies, and best practices. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest episodes. To learn more about Notch, you can visit notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H.com. Now, let's get started with today's episode. My name's Andrew Bolton. I'm the Chief Customer Officer here at Notch. Just got a few uh, housekeeping things to go through before we pitch it over to David and the panel. So first off, welcome to the How to Be Distinct and Relevant in the AI Content Arena webinar presented by Notch and Frozen Content. For those of you who are not familiar, Notch is a content intelligence platform. We work with businesses to help them understand how content is impacting business results. And we do that by essentially looking at how content is impacting conversions, how content is impacting value exchange with an audience and brands. And then of course, we do have some AI capabilities that allow you to optimize, essentially take action on those insights to optimize existing content, create net new content and so on. So that's Notch, the software platform. But beyond that, we also support an amazing community that we call the Pros and Content Community. We've got about a uh, thousand members in the community, over 700 brands represented. It's a Slack community, but we also do virtual roundtables, online events, and in-person meetups. So if you're interested in joining, you can type in that link that I've got at the bottom of the screen, or we're also gonna throw it into the chat as well. And then the final piece is, it's conference season. So we're going to be at a few upcoming conferences, but really curious if there's any conferences that you folks are going to be going to. So let us know in the chat what you're attending this fall, what you might be interested in. And if you're any at any of these over on the right, let us know because we'd love to connect with you and grab a coffee in person. So with that, I'm going to pitch it over to David and our esteemed panel to kick off the content. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Great. Hi, everyone. My name's David Brown. I'm head of strategy at, uh, at Notch, and I'm delighted to introduce our panel to you today. Uh, Giselle Goes, who is joining us uh, from Chime as director of organic growth. Jamie Rue is joining from Morgan Stanley, executive director of Morgan Stanley's wealth management team. David Berkowitz, who's the founder of uh, the esteemed AI a marketer's guild and has been a marketing leader at some of the top digital agencies in the US over the last decade or so. Thanks very much for joining. Uh, we're going to go th through a conversation with maybe five or six topics. To the audience, please feel free to ask questions in the Q&A option you've got at the bottom of the screen. We won't be able to pick them all up, uh, but if we see a good one, we'll adopt it and throw it into the conversation as well. Really, the genesis for this conversation was around the risk and reward for language generation. Language generation, which really started to emerge at the end of last year with the launch of ChatGPT, has really created a, a lot of conversation and opportunity for marketers to adopt in certain ways. And what, what we see is language generation is surely going to leads to a lot of additional content, new content, optimized content. Potentially it could make the sea of sameness, which definitely exists in the financial services world, a lot bigger 
and a lot deeper. And we, we hear a lot of marketers be concerned about what it will do to the quality of content that we see. When Notch looks at all of the content, which we measure quality for, and we, we evaluate content for over 50 companies, quality is not very high. Generally, what we see is that typically about 5% of content generates 90% of engagement said another way, 95% of content isn't doing much for you at all. And also over half of all content is either neutral or negative on brand sentiment. So actually even worse than not doing anything for you, it's actually hurting brand perception rather than helping. So we probably need all the help we can get to, to improve quality and language generation may well be part of that. As we were preparing for this discussion, one of the things we wanted to, to raise to just to manage expectations is that everyone in this community is at the early stages of lang language generation. Anyone who's pretending to have all the answers probably is, is faking it. Um, so the, the panel is going to be projecting their points of view on what they're interested in, what they believe is coming and all the, um, the, the really the, what emerges over the next three, six, nine months will, will, uh, reveal how good our projections are. David. Berkowitz, I was going to start by asking you what, when you think about language generation from your perspective, what do you believe the current state of affairs is? Well, it's great to be here and you know, been a big fan, not for a long time, but I also love just how much you're leading into community as it's, it's been just an increasing area of focus and just trying to bring people together who are trying to figure this out, which is what we're doing. And some of us on stage, but really everyone in this virtual room here. And, and so, so much for right now, it's so exciting. And as a marketer, a writer, a human, someone was also terrified yeah? and it's hard to, and it's, it's even just hard to process all of this because this is, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you get into using AI tools and figure out what they can do, what they can do for your organization. It feels like you're getting a new superpower and sometimes it feels like what it must seem to be to like, see yourself getting replaced as you do it. And so how do you go and, and then turn this into something of value? And if you create value of it, then clearly you know, you're more indispensable to your organization and your organization is more indispensable to your customers. And I think it's a fascinating area when like, I hope to learn a lot more from, from not like one of my biggest questions I I'd have, like look at the next year is how you, uh, if you're using AI to generate more content, how to make it at least neutral, right? Because, because there's a lot of content that's created that is okay for the, keep the lights on content. Uh, yeah. It, it keeps the brand top mind. It's there. If someone needs it, people aren't going to be reading it and analyzing it at length. It, like it, it has a job to do. And so if someone say finds it in search or it's there on a company LinkedIn page or uh, in a newsletter, then it doesn't have to be the most amazing thing in the world, but to stay relevant, you clearly need some of that at the, the positive end. I mean, and, and there's just so much to experiment with right now. Uh, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on Claude uh, these days. I recommend Claude AI as just a way to riff on 
on things, but th but they're just tools for anything and everything. I mean, I actually recently published a book on Amazon that was entirely generated by AI, 150 pages with a brief prompt. Um, it's not very good. I haven't read it. I don't recommend anyone tries to read it. I can't try to read it. There are much better books on my bookshelf that I'll stick to. Um, but that it's possible, right? Like the, like this, like what is the kind of like good enough? Like the, like can, can you do things like this for neutral content? And what, one of the things that I have found when, when like, I feel like I'm using these tools best, it's when I feel like I, I've edited things really well. I mean, I was working on a guest byline for, for someone recently and, and AI saved me about 90% of the time in writing the first draft, but like the 10% of the time I put into it was asking questions that were very much like, I, I knew what the author who, whose name would be on it. I knew what they wanted and, and I could just push AI harder and harder. And then I finally got to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go at, and share this. So I think a lot of that is also just, and there's, there's, there's some people like being a good writer doesn't mean you're a good editor. doesn't mean you're a good speaker. doesn't mean like, like no one's gifted at all forms of communication. So I think one of the big challenges will be that for a lot of people, it will be just new skills to learn. And sometimes that's exciting. And sometimes it's pretty daunting and sometimes both. David, what do you think is going to happen to the idea of quality? Well, I, I, I think that, that the idea of quality is going to take on a, a lot of new meaning, right? Because, because there, there's, there's plenty of content out there where if it answers someone's questions, right, then and, and meet some kind of need, then that could be really high quality content. Right? Uh, um, if, if it's make things efficient, if it's something that is a little more personalized to one situation and you're actually having someone waste less time because, because the thing that then delivered to their inbox or that they're, that they're coming across on, uh, on, you know, on a company site now all of a sudden like it just skip all of the other stuff that isn't relevant to them. And it just hones in really quickly. Like, like a lot of, uh, a lot of this, it doesn't have to have this most beautiful voice and, and, and all things that you want to say, or like perfectly on brand granted in that, if that's the case though, then especially when you're in areas like financial services, then quality will be, how do you trust this? And that is, and that is a huge bar right, right now. You can't really talk about AI these days without talking about hallucinations, uh, which is just a fun and a fun way of saying when AI makes stuff up, I, I did a test where I put in the URL for this webinar in Claude and Claude just kind of made up what it was about because it was a really good title string. And then when I actually put in the description of it, it gave me completely different thoughts about it. So, so it, it and, and that bar again, like when something is say hitting one's, uh, one's bank account or how they're managing their finances or areas that are very important to someone uh, personally or their business, then this is where those standards for quality need to be extremely high. Even if some of like the language in it and, uh, uh, and how you scale it and how you repurpose a lot of this, like you can maybe get away with some, uh, some quantity on top of just the quality, but you need that, those great inputs going into it. 
That's, that's a great answer. Now, G Giselle and Jamie, is, as you think about building unique and memorable, maybe even heroic pieces of content for your, your brands, how do you go about that versus your competitors? And what, what if anything, are you doing to leverage language generation or AI to help you build those, those big ideas? I think for us, it's like a seamless integration with brand and like how we position ourselves. I feel like having a strong voice, a sense of purpose, understanding who your, your segments are and just really deeper, like just going deeper into that. It's what really going to set, set people apart. I think the other interesting case of AI is like there's a lot of chatter in different uh, channels, say, that happen. You know, there's there's a lot of conversations going on that we don't practically look at. So there is way that can AI can just pull trends. So we can start hopping into conversations and also be proactive into trends that are happening. And we're very, you know, China is a very culturally relevant brand. So I think that's very important for us to also keep ourselves up to date and leverage all of these kind of like automated skill sets to, to allow us to have insights faster and just continue to kind of like develop within our, our brand POV. But I think really stitching the content with brand is really what solidifies, makes you defensible and like really owning the space that you're playing in. How do you actually... Sorry, Jamie, just a drill down question. How do you actually connect the content strategy to the brand strategy? What's the, could you, could you kind of visualize what that looks like? Yeah, I think there's obviously the vision. I think we, we look at a segmentation of like, you know, what is our brand vision, who we want to be, what's our mission and how that really ladders up to our content strategy, but also to understanding like, what is our segments? So it's, it's almost like a entire brand architecture of, you know, like, this is where we want to be. This is where content can be activated. And that will be depending on the segments that you have. But we look everything all at one. At the end of the day, we're all trying to tell a story and we're activating in different pods for different people. So everything is very integrated. And our tone and voice has always been the same, but also understanding that in different channels, we might have to tweak that, right? Like if you're on social, your chatter is different than on a web experience. So we understand those nuances, but we try to see all of that as like same pillars. We're always, all, all try to accomplish like one thing. Great. Jamie, how would you answer the original question? Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting question, particularly in financial services. And David, you hit on this with the trust idea. I think you have to start with what problem AI is going to help us solve. I don't think a one city problem exists in financial services. We all have a lot of content. We have a lot to say. And that's largely because content is almost a product for us in a way. Our thought leadership, our point of view, that's what helps us be distinct, offer a value proposition to our audiences through our content. So the idea that machines are going to do that instead of our thought leaders doesn't match up entirely. So there's places in that value chain where AI can be very helpful. I don't see it, at least in the short term. I mean, what do we know when we look long-term into the future? But at least for now, I really do think that the distinctiveness, the value proposition lies with people. Great content comes from great thinkers um, who have something to say and from a strategy that shows that folks understand your audience, what their needs are, how a brand is uniquely positioned to address their needs, and that comes through in the content that you share with them. 
Where AI can potentially come into the picture is certainly helping us to do that at scale in certain ways, helping us glean through data and analytics and pull together some insights in a faster, more robust, scalable way, help us through personalization, burgeoning things that we have, you know, used humans to create, but then we use the machines to help us proliferate smarter and more impactfully. But it all is going to come back to your point about, about trust. I think in financial services, that's super important. We buff up against that all the time. Um, we, there's research that tells us that folks in the marketplace don't necessarily trust information that comes from financial services brands. They would trust like a third-party media source more so. So, you know, that's something we're going to hold near and dear and make sure that what we're producing and putting out to the marketplace in our name is, has oversight and, you know, human intelligence behind it. That's a great answer. We, we, so we notch tracks performance of brand trust for a number of financial service companies and brand trust is typically the main question we get. And that 58% number is actually slightly worse for financial services. So said another way. Once for someone who has consumed a hundred percent of a piece of content, more than half eat, trust a brand less than they did at the start of the content. So it actually would have been better for them not to have read the content at all. So there, there is definitely an improvement opportunity there. What I had remember a sage strategy friend telling me once that content teams should actually be called audience teams, because the best content teams really have that level of intimate understanding with audience needs. And said another way, it's really important to understand what are the important questions which your audience seeks to seeks an answer for, which is a way to get to relevance. Giselle, how, how do you try to get to more relevant content experiences for your, for your customers and prospects. It's easy to say, but hard to do. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Just to chime in, like first, I feel like AI is a really good, like good co-pilot, right. And is a really good time saver. I think for a while, content marketers spend a lot of time thinking about like, we have to build briefs and, and lead a content creation, understand where people are, what they're looking for, uncover all those insights and more. And I feel like the way that we're trying to use AI is to save us time so we can actually focus on integrating our content strategy with, to your point, like audience segmentations, understand, you know, exactly like who we're talking to. And also consumers are getting more like they're just, they want tailored experiences. They want personalized experiences and we need to be able to kind of like get to that level of sophistication. And to your point, David, there's a lot of like integration that's happening right now with our, we have an in-house insights team. So we're doing a lot of kind of like deep analysis into segment, what they're looking for, where should we be looking at data? And so allowing us to kind of like take that time to do that versus a lot of the keep the, the light on and all the work that we're doing is a really good solve that we're finding, you know, to utilize AI in a way that will help us, but also allow us to have quality and ground ourselves in our strategy. Because the truth is, is, you know, brands who consider content part of their holistic strategy are for sure set up for success. But if content exists in a silo, that's where you really hit that stage where you're just creating content for the sake of creating content. And then 
There's the whole, you know, like reputation, trustworthiness, all the authority that you're trying to create. That's one that it, it's, it's really not going to work moving forward, most likely. That's a good answer. We, we've seen some interesting use cases emerge around segmentation development. There's a, there's a general maxim that marketers aren't very tolerant with creating a lot of segments maybe five, maybe eight. But if you ask a marketer to go to a hundred segments, they say, I'm not going to do that. So the, there is an opportunity to use language generation to build out your segments and to actually follow what famously Keith Weed, who was the former CMO of Unilever said that Unilever aspires to, to meet the needs of a billion segments, each with one person inside. Um, so AI is, is the way to maybe get to hundred, 200 segments, and then connect your content relevance to those segments through, through prompting. A hundred percent. And there's a lot of nuances in content. So there's a lot of optimization that AI can help you too. Like, yes, you can have five segments, but you can have multiple scenarios. So that's a really good use case to yeah. kind of like empower that ongoing strategy and, and also tackle the like small nuances that otherwise would be time consuming. How do you, how do you get to the answer to what does your audience truly care about? It's a combination of things. Uh, we're all trying to address a problem. It, it really depends what what's core to their needs and what they're looking for. That that will will vary. Like I said, I think tying that with a lot of insights, research work, going to them, talking to them, understanding what do they care about, how can we solve a problem, is truly kind of like the foundation of it. And everything else is just. How do we kind of like maximize that and get all the information that we need to be relevant for them? And a lot of testing too, obviously, like there's no way that you can assume, right? Like the more we test, the more we learn as well. So that's something that it's very important to keep in mind, like experimentation and acceleration also allows us to uncover insights that otherwise would be more assumption-based and also kind of like dictate a more kind of like robust way of viewing our audience. Right. There's something which most most marketers have access to but don't necessarily use but within within your cms you may have some personalization modules which allow you to track clicks and click interactions and actually seeing what your click interactions are either is a wonderful insights tool so that you can understand what's on the mind of of individual users uh, that that's one of the things notch does within pathway iq where we track content journeys, which effectively is an insights tool to be able to serve up what's next and to encourage a journey. Jamie, how, how do you answer the question of what's truly on the mind of your important prospects and customers, clients, sorry. Um, great question. We do the same things that I think Giselle does. And a lot of us do, we look at our performance analytics or our various digital channels to try to understand what's resonating, understanding that a lot of times those are proxy measurements. So if we're looking at traditional measurements like page views, you know, they went there. Do we know if they found value? If it's going to positively impact their favorability of us. They're more inclined to come back. So, you know, the most important thing is to not take any one particular metric in isolation, but to look at them in total and try to glean some insight on the way people behave. But we also try to look at other things that don't require us to draw inferences from proxy metrics. 
Like, for example, we just asked them, we put a poll in a newsletter and asked them, what are your biggest concerns heading into year end? Right. And so we using some fun technology that lets them answer a real time poll question and feed those answers into our, you know, customer management system. And we can serve them up relevant content and response and, you know, let our, our financial advisors have that information to, you know, act on in subsequent conversations. So, you know, there's a bunch of different ways, traditional research, of course, but it's, it's fun and exciting to think about the digital tool and how AI can help us do this better and smarter and maybe help some of these different tools start to talk to each other in a way that will deliver us insights that are much more robust. Right. So, Jamie, while I've got you, we did an exercise a few weeks ago where we pulled together a group of content efforts from various banks and we put them all on a wall and we then played the game of, can you guess which bank or brokerage this content is from? And it was almost impossible to, to, to understand who was talking to you. Maybe Wells Fargo because they're red or Fidelity because, because they're green, but everyone else is blue. How, when you think about distinctness and how Morgan Stanley can get credit for a distinct point of view, how do you, how do you drive to that? And can AI help you on that front? I think what makes wealth managers distinctive is very much rooted in the personal relationships that they develop with their clients. So I don't have any delusion that the content that we make is going to replace that type of relationship. In fact, when we think about the future of AI technology and the wealth management or investment space and robo-advisors and can the machines do the things that advisors do, you know, I think they can do some of the things, but they can't do all the things. And they can't replace the interpersonal human relationships that are really the cornerstone of our business and what we do. So I think what makes what makes a, a wealth management brand relevant or distinct is the way that they approach their relationships with their customers, understanding them as individuals. Um, and while their products and services may be similar, it's the way those things are applied in their individual situations that make all the difference in someone's life. Yeah. So the tools that we're providing are just trying to enable that in the most effective, impactful way. Yeah. Well, and, and what I think is fascinating about it is that it to me it sort of sounds like the, like an AI sandwich here because that, because like Giselle and Jane, like what you're also talking about is there's going to be a human insight going into it. Right? Like you need that input that's coming from, from somewhere, right? Like, like, like technology doesn't, it, it's not used for insights that can help you get to insights and new insights, faster insights, but, but the insight really needs to be human. And then you've got the human relationship on the other end of things. And, at, and if you push things too hard, it, it, it that great tech term, the uncanny valley, which we see some of, you know, that a tech that like feels and, and looks kind of human, but it's off and, and we're, you know, we're, we're social animals and we're, we're built to detect when something isn't right there. 
And, and so, and I think that then shifts things so heavily to that negative side of when, uh, when, when something doesn't pass, the, pass that detector. So it's then where in the middle and that, uh, as, you know, speed ups and things help, uh, help folks like wealth managers come up with new things to talk about that then, uh, they can apply to their own voice and style ultimately still maintain that relationship at the other end. Yeah. One of, one of the lessons or opportunities we see is the, the idea of thematic thinking, uh, some people understand what that means really well, but a theme really forces you to have a distinct point of view on a topic or a group of topics. And almost by definition, if you find it in language generation, it probably isn't distinct. So it's a, it's a way to scrub what your points of view are. And just to build on what Giselle was saying, your themes should directly connect to your brand strategy. And if it doesn't, you need to keep working for a different theme, which does align because often you'll have more themes than you will have brand promises or, or priorities, but you, you need to make sure that you can explain to a brand leader, how a theme is supporting of that brand, because if it, it, the, the content strategy and themes should be a servant to the brand strategy, not the other way around. Giselle, you have hundreds of topics to deliver across your, your product sets. How, how do you drive to uh, distinctness? Yeah, I think I really like the AI sandwich kind of, you know, analogy, because I feel like it is true. Like I've tried to use it in the past and I got really bad results. And I actually re realized that was because I was not asking the right questions. So you need to know what questions you're going to ask. So I, I like that. I feel like there's kind of like this flow that is human AI, human AI, and then we're just trying to like work together and work as an extension of our team. I feel like to your point, David, around like how we create this like distinct content, there are obviously a lot of topics that we cover. There's a lot of different things that we're trying to solve and, and a lot of solutions that we offer. I think we try to maintain a, a very clear kind of like North Star in terms of how we want to show up. There's a few questions that we typically ask. Is this relevant? Like, how do we, how should we approach this topic from kind of like a point of view perspective? How is this going to be helpful for our members at, and us, our prospects? At the end of the day, we know that we're trying to, to solve like one thing. We're trying to provide, you know, very easy solutions for them to, to really achieve financial progress. And that's just a, a no brainer. And then tweaking the content based on the category will depend on, you know, like, what is their worry? Like, what are they focusing on in the moment? Um, and how can we make sure that we have content for that, whether you're trying to save money, you're trying to build credit, you're trying to really bank with no fees. So those will kind of be like sub layers that will will apply into our content strategy in a way that resonates. But we understand that at the end of the day, everyone wants financial peace of mind. They want better information to make better decisions and be empowered for that. And that doesn't change whether you're, you know, focusing on a different product than the other. It's just a matter of like how that fits into the goal that you're trying to achieve. And that's the new ones that we typically work with from our content POV. Yeah, that's a good idea. We, we see an opportunity in the long tail of, of search to, to, rather than ignoring it or waiting for it to scale, actually go, go into that long tail and look for trending topics, which may be niche topics, mm -hmm. but grab the ones which you feel you can earn and, 
and accelerate the growth of them becoming mainstream. So take micro topics and, and make them yours. Yeah. Uh, add thematically. That can be a worthwhile exercise if you're, if you're prepared to take a risk of, of jumping onto something which may seem really out there or on the edge. Is that, yeah. is that something you've, you've experimented with? Yeah. I think what we're looking to is like when you look at Google's like new algorithm update and SG coming, like all of these high level broad keyword match, like results are usually going to be AI generated and where you really going to win and have your position strengthen. It's actually the long tail variations. Those are like hind and areas that you can be relevant. You can be distinct. And that's the opportunity you're going to have to actually show up in search. So there's a lot going on also in how, how you're going to leverage AI or SEO and how that's going to change. And this tactic of long tail, high intent variations, how we get ahead of it and proactive about how people are com combining all the keywords is definitely something that we're looking into because it's really going to be very massive for like SEO in the, in the next several months and year. Now, Jamie, in your, your world, I suspect you have subject matter experts, regulatory affairs, legal teams, marketing approval, brand approval. How, how do you navigate the possibilities of language generation where you've got each of those teams on you looking for a reason to redline or reject rather than a reason to approve um, and move forward? I think it's going to come back the AI sandwich, David, right? So we'll, as part of our content generation process, we'll start with human insight to create queries. We'll get smarter about the queries and have AI tool help us create drafts. And then it's back to the human bread to really look at those drafts and make sure that they pass all of the regulatory scrutiny and follow those same processes. You know, at some point it would be great if we can have some of those tools help us and maybe help us screen and flag for things that we would need to flag for regulatory purposes and, and help us generate drafts that, you know, meet compliance rules. I think that school could actually be trained to do that in a way that would be very helpful. But again, I'm team human. I think that's coming out in all my answers. It's the Luddite in me that's kicking and screaming, but realizing that, you know, the AI tools are really powerful, very exciting. And, but for now, I'm hoping and dreaming and thinking that they're going to coexist with the humans for a while. Yeah. So not replacing human judgment in the places where judgment is required and important. Yeah. We, we've heard a number of companies in the last few weeks connect language generation to so-called atomization. So they're taking an approved piece of content, which everyone loves and is, has been approved and published, but then breaking it down into smaller versions for different channels or different segments. It seems that that is a good, relatively safe place for people to start because you have an approved body of content to work with. And atomization often is a different skill to creation. So for, for true creators, they're quite happy to let go of that and say, okay, go make your social posts or turn that into an email. How, just how important is atomization in your practice and capabilities? Yeah, it's, it's huge. Like I said, I think optimization is this always on type of work that needs to be done. It, it helps us kind of like bring incremental 
growth, but also allows us to have uncover more insights that we're not looking at. The the set it and forget it mindset is, is definitely not something that will allow you to kind of like evolve. So we look into optimization as as kind of like a BAU, keep the lights on, but also making sure that we're up to date into everything that's happening. So we get ahead of things. And I think being proactive in content is more important than ever right now. And just really kind of like leveraging the agility that we have with new tools to to kind of be smarter about that and just get ahead. I feel like that's that's what get that's what's gonna be the most important thing for sure. Right. David, so congratulations on the AI sandwich. I knew you were going to come up with something. I love that. Uh, memorable. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, yeah, I think now, it, now it's, it's talk goes on. I feel like it's going to be like a triple decker or some kind of very, very big club sandwich or that's right. one of those like, you know, party subs. Well, let's, let's break down the sandwich analogy. What do you, what are the ingredients you're seeing for, if, if you were speaking to a marketer about crawling or walking? What's their mayonnaise or ketchup to for them to find their early success and to navigate through regulatory affairs or compliance, whatever it may be? Where would where would you start? Well, well, well. First of all, with the apologies to any vegans on the call, I I'd insisted as vegan. But beyond that, I I think that that what I mean, what first of all, everything's going to be you know what's right for you and what's right for your audience, not just your content or your, your, your brand, but what's right for them and, and how much appreciation for instance, is, is, will they have for something that might be, might have a little personality to it, might be, uh, versus something that just, you know, has to play in a very strict way, right? There's a wide range of that in terms of, in terms of audience expectations. So it's got to meet that and, uh, and just you know some you know, some markers could find that image generation is just the, this great way to add more variety to their content they spend a lot of time on tools like, like mid journey there's a, a a great one i've been playing with and, and using um called ideogram that's like a little more rough and tumble but also uh just just very accessible uh um and so like that might work for some but and not for others. I think what we're also going to see more and more of that we haven't got into as as much today, but that it's critical is that especially when we get into larger corporations and and more specialized verticals, then you'll see uh, see so so many instances of of private um, language learning models, right? Like so, it's like I, not a Chat GPT trained on the entire web and the Entire content, uh, you know, from uh, uh, basically like everything that languages produce digitally, but something that is only trained on your data um, that might be specifically trained to to not have any customer data as part of that, right? So there's uh, corporate data without any customer information, and in, and there then where there are very very strict controls on what goes in, and it's going to limit generally in a good way what comes out of it. And I mean, the, I, and the last thing I, I, I'd say, as you're trying to figure out what makes a good sandwich is one of the advantages of the, uh, of these AI tools that like, I've just, I've literally never seen before in looking at the from search to social to mobile and all these things 
is that there's so much that you can test now. You can try, try from privacy to your own home. You can like, like just go and try to see how this stuff works. Obviously, careful what you test it on, right? Like don't like upload a customer spreadsheet and like make that your first test. But, uh, but yeah, maybe a, you know, some invites to some birthday party or something, right? Like I test us from there. A, a, a little uh, lower impact and actually see how this stuff works. And like, like if you're trying to do something ridiculous, like create a book or whatever, like it just, you know, just do some throwaway topic and, and, and see how it turns out. And then you can really get so much of a sense of, oh, are there ways to apply it for your company, for your industry, for like, like things that your customers might appreciate and like bring people in the room who can then riff on these ideas and, and just learn from each other. I think there, there's just so many opportunities like that. Yeah. So we're going to move to the audience now for any questions that they may have. So to the audience, thanks for, thanks for sticking with us, please. If you have any questions, put them in to the, either the chat module or the Q and a module. Um, there's a question from Karen Sparks who works at Zomo Fisher. Uh, Karen is asking, what KPIs are you using to look at the analytics of engagement? Karen is struggling with how to measure what's working in terms of content when I can't track interactions because of uh, cookie deprecation. Uh, Giselle, how, what, what KPIs are, are the, the important ones you're relying on? Yeah, I think it depends on obviously your content strategy and what you're trying to achieve there. I would also say, David, this is a really good conversation for Nods. I feel like there's a lot that can be uncovered in terms of how people are interacting with your content, high value actions that are happening, depending on really like how you really position that. So like, and I know I keep saying that, but I feel like a strategy of understanding what's the role of content and what you're trying to get people to do and matching that with, you know, an action that you want them to take is the best way. And you can you know, you can leverage tools like Notch to make sure that you are kind of like targeting and understanding the full funnel and how that's impacting that. But you can also use other ways to like, you know, tag events that you want on your site that are considered high value actions. But I really like that concept because it takes you away from the whole like you have to come here and do this thing. It's like, no, some people might not be ready for it. And there's a sequence of actions that might have to happen in order for them to to really get to the end state. And we need to understand and make sure that that's represented in the way that we are like reporting on the content success, because otherwise you're going to set unrealistic expectations in your strategy to fail because people are going to expect content to always convert at a bottom funnel, where sometimes it just doesn't. So just if anyone's wondering, that was not a rehearsed moment for Giselle. It wasn't. It was an but thank you for doing that. I would just add that there are two KPIs which are Notch's favorites. One is the recirculation rate, which is the ability of a piece of content to fully engage you and then bring you to another piece of content and fully engage you. The reason why that's important is that most uh, brands, when they have users who interact fully with three pieces of content, conversion rates double. So that there is a magic moment of getting to three or more pieces of content. The, the other KPI, which we're fascinated by is inspired by the idea of the missing middle, the, the content, which is really good in the middle of a journey, but typically isn't the entry point or the exit point of a journey, but is doing something really helpful around consideration. So understanding content, which is really good at driving brand consideration 
is is important and then working out how to get your audiences to that what we call middle content sooner rather than later can be really beneficial J jamie for, for, for morgan stanley wealth management what are, what are the kpis which are important to you it's the, along similar vein that we position everything in terms of what our objectives are, right? So there are certain bits of content that are informational. We want to put information out there to clients or prospects or influencers or folks in the marketplace that we just want to know a point of view. Um, there's other content where we're trying to get people to understand what we do better. And to that end, we want them to through to more things. So something like a recirculation rate is what we would look at as well. And then some things are really designed to get people to convert. We want them to fill out a form to find a financial advisor or open an account on E-Trade or whatever it might be. So we're looking at those you know, conversion metrics as well. It's always helpful to understand how those things fit together in the journey to your point, David. Yes. Thanks, Jamie. What is what we heard at a, a, a great trick um, recently from a mortgage company who take the time and trouble to contextualize call to actions, which makes it, you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, if you have an article about refinancing, rather than saying on the, the CTA, ask to speak to an advisor, you write around the call to action button. Now that you've read an article on refinancing, ask to speak to an advisor that can double or triple response rates. So if you haven't tested that yet, a test, have a test called contextual CTAs and just wrap a line around the button, which connects the, the, the idea from the content to the button. It just draws people in and makes the button seem actually more personalized that you may think you, you'll have someone on the other end of that phone call or email actually talking to you about refinancing and speaking to an advisor rather than someone who says, so what, why are you calling? Yeah. We've done something similar where we actually give them, these are the questions to ask the advisor about this. So question, now that you've read this on, you know, home refinancing, here's the three questions to ask your advisor. Yeah. yeah. We found that those can be extremely effective. That, so that, that's good. So that's, that's, you're, you're backing up the idea that's. And would you consider that bottom of the funnel or is that like consider, is that a consideration driver? Click that button. We're considering that bottom of the funnel. Now it's not really the bottom of the funnel because that they're just inquiring. The true bottom of the funnel is when they've hired and funded and really have really become a client. But that's a lot to ask for content. Content takes them so far, gives us some nice and then a sales process takes over, which I'm sure is the case for many folks in financial services and beyond. Yep. Very good. David, do, what other use cases come to mind for, for marketers using language generation other, other than writing a, a book you wrote, but have never read? Well, well, you know, there, I mean, there's a, actually a question from Daryl in the chat that made me, David just want to my favorite use case, use case for a project I was working on where, where you know, we spent a lot of time coming up with the right target audience and, and, and a few messaging input, but then I, but then I'd asked chat GPT to go through and 
create a, a table for, uh, given like this product, right? Brief summary and, and this target audience, in this case, it was startup founders and the, and the VCs and accelerators and others who, who influence them and, and work with them. And then, and then how to reach them at different stages. And I even specified, you know, and awareness, interest, engagement, action, uh, advocacy at the other end of it. And so it's five stage. And it basically has to give me like the who, what, where, when, why, how breakdown. And so is this whole draft of a plan for of where to find these people, how to talk to them, what some of those pain points are. Wasn't perfect, but yeah, like this kind of thing that, that I just spent a month doing and just like, never feel like you're getting right to get something that's the good enough part to then have a meeting with the right stakeholders and at use and then see like, okay, like let's actually, what, let's actually do something even about just one box, right? Let's just come up with an action item for by the end of the day, right? Like that kind of stuff is possible now. And it's, yeah. So, so just all these are just riffing and, and having that, just that added tech partner that you're able to work with to kind of speed things up and just get, get stuff done. Like for, for me, so much of it is just the work I least enjoy doing it. And, and even things like, like writing proposed, yeah, uh, like, please just like, like here are my notes from the call, but you write a proposal, I, and. Uh, and, and it works. It's like, then I just have to edit the thing and I'm, I'm much happier doing that. Right. Gives you more time for making your sandwiches. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cooking the bacon just right. Yeah, not Notch's philosophy and actually our product vision is to take the understanding of high performing content characteristics, which could be around length of content, keywords, a tone of voice, use of visuals, different content types, and then applying that into a private instance of a language generation tool so that over time, all of the content created is doubling down on high performing content characteristics so that you just move away from low performing whatever it may be, like the article, for example, is the lowest performing content type. We should stop creating articles and create more visual content, infographics, listicles, charts, whatever, it, whatever it may be. And the, the product opportunities to operationalize that. So that's, that's what the notch team is, is building. So we're, we're coming, we're coming to the close, Jamie, Giselle, any, any closing thoughts that, um, what? What would, what would you like to reinforce or, um, or share before we, before we close today? Um, well, I know I've been the Luddite of the group and, and being human, um, and I'm going to stick to that, but I do also really look forward to having these tools do to David's point, a lot of the work that we don't like to do and the things that we are, we're, we're not adding the most value in the process anyway, but things like what you were saying, David, just now finding the patterns in the high performing content. What are those characteristics that we want to double down on and replicate? What are the versioning for multiple segments? Like the getting the first draft, the painful first draft done. I think that there's a lot of power in that. And I, and I look forward to those tools becoming 
more common and easier to use for everyone. I'm hoping that it leads to more distinctiveness, less sameness, because we'll be better and sharper at what we're, what we're doing with more valuable input. Yeah. I a hundred percent all of that. I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, it's going to, AI is going to be a great co-pilot. We just need to really spend time figuring out how we want to like really <laughs> fly this airplane or, or drive or whatever, because this is going to be what sets you up for success. And, and there's a lot of pros in automating and uncovering insights and replicating. And to your point, David, like you, you said at the top of the workshop, 5% of content drives, you know, the majority of kind of like engagement and, and low quality is a thing. It's not about how much you're creating is like really how you're targeting that. So what I'm excited about is to see AI making us smarter and also reducing the time that we're spending on this, you know, keep the light on via you and other tasks that in before we would have to like manually work on, it would derail us from kind of like the main vision and the kind of like big bets mentality. So I think that's what I'm excited about. And I feel like that's, that's an area that we're excited to lean on for sure. Thanks, Giselle. Thanks, Jamie. David, David, any final thoughts? Well, um, so, like, so much of it is you know, where it, go, it does go back to quality, but, uh, but quality in terms of, like, does it do what you want it to do? And sometimes that's moving people and, and just the kind of, yeah, getting into someone's heart and soul and, and sometimes way more functional, uh, sometimes it's to get people to interact, respond to something and pay attention. And so, so just understand, I, I, I just trying to think about, it goes back to a lot of marketing fundamentals. Like, like, what is your goal for this? What are you trying to achieve? What, what does quality mean to you? And, uh, and I think having tools like knowledge and others that can help get to the heart of it and, and, and even understand different kinds of quality from each other, like, like it's probably not just, yeah, how well it's written or how many complaints it got. And it's often a lot more that goes into it. And, uh, and then just make sure you're keeping yourself honest and then even using some of the, the AI tools say, well, okay, so like based on this data, how well did it really do? Right. And, and, and are there ways that you can interact with it and just ask better questions of it that you like didn't have time or resource to do before. And so now it just opens up more of those ideas. Very good. Well, thank you, panel, for a, gr a great discussion. Thank you to the audience for staying with us for the last hour. If anyone has any questions or thoughts, please, please reach out to, to me or your contact at Notch. It's david.brown at notch.com. We'll be, we'll be writing up some thoughts or takeaways from this discussion and publishing it in the next few days. But th thank you again and hope to see you all soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.